This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, everybody? Hopefully you can hear me. Uh, we are live here, and we are going to chat about some Browns content. We don't we don't have a ton to talk about. It's a barren time, but but uh, uh, we are going to have some conversations about some interesting topics, and hopefully you guys enjoy, and you can fire any questions in as usual as we go through this. I'm going to bring on my good friend, and you know, pretty much the guy who runs right and is my right-hand man, Mr. Browns Mock Draft. How are you? Uh, I'm ready to argue about uh, whether somebody's a second or third round pick for next year. Can we can we start really getting specific and arguing about that? Because I love that. <laughs> We're not far off, man. We're definitely not far off. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what I even considered it when bringing you on today. Like, what's the right time to start rapping about next year's draft? Especially when you're watching, like, you know, I was watching uh, Notre Dame and I was watching JOK, obviously, and the Kyle Hamilton, the safety just pops off the tape, oh. man. Like that guy is really good. And it's like, when can we start having a discussion about that guy? Cause I think he's going to be extremely good next year. Well, I've got something coming out this week. Uh, you know, not really in depth or anything, but just a look at the ages of some of the, the guys that are on Dane's top 50 and Matt Miller's top hundred and all that, the, mm-hmm. the way early list, just so we can, you know, there's a couple guys you can just eliminate because now we have two years uh, with Andrew Barry, it seems like a pretty darn hard and fast rule, especially on day one and day two. So um, I'll have something like that coming out this year. And yeah, I mean, we can talk about stuff in the summer as far as um, like early watch lists. Like here's some guys you might want to do a little bit of legwork on and sort of keep your eye on an early part of the college football season. But as far as like actually sitting down and hammering it out, it makes no sense until we know the draft order at least. And then um, after that, you got to get through uh, free agency to really get to the nuts and bolts. But, you know, as we do on the OBR, I'll do the weekly mock drafts once the season starts so we can keep up with that kind of stuff. And and uh, it's kind of like, you know, preseason. Do, do sprints at the Y. You know, you don't want to pull a hammy just yet, but uh, yeah. you also don't want anything to atrophy. <laughs> um, well, it's a fine line. And I always have a fun time looking back when you finish – the draft class, what your first one was. Like, I think I saw that one of your first ones had, had Trevon Merrick as like a third round pick or fourth round pick. Maybe I don't, I can't remember. Just guys always have this one year where they come on or the, the, the contrary is Marvin Wilson, right? Like right. he was a guy this time last year, you and I were talking about, he's a first round pick and now he's undrafted. So you just never know what the year is going to bring success or fallback. We've had a bunch of user questions already. People have just been chomping at the bit, Steve. We're going to jump we? into these things, man. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're going to start with uh, – here's a good one. Start with the long report. He says, 
Who are three players from this year's draft class that you think will play more than 400 snaps, excluding JOK? Obviously, Greg Newsom uh, will be one that we would believe would play 400 snaps, uh, given given health. Uh, where do you go next? Um, goodness gracious. Uh, hang on, let me. Without those two guys. Uh... <laughs> well, we're counting Greg as one, so I, um, I don't know. I Would you say, boy, there I, might – there might not be anybody that gets 400. Maybe Togi I, depending on what That's happens what in the thinking. ideal room. Um, he'll be, barring injury, he'll be rotational, which means he'll probably come up short of 400. Um, Anthony Schwartz will have a role, but does that role 15-ish snaps come to 400 snaps other than injuries? Probably not. This is a very big future draft. Like he referenced the future with this draft. And now that I say it out loud, we we've talked about this thing, Stephen. I like, I like a ton of their picks, but now that I'm sitting here, thinking, it's such a good question. That's why this is one of those questions where you're like, Oh, I didn't really think of it that way. Jermaine right. Felton will have a chance to play, but I don't think he's going to play that much barring an- another thing where you're barring injuries. It's like specialty role. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is this feels like a raise the basement draft and guys who could be players down the line. But if you get a bunch of these rookies having big roles early, it's probably because things have either gone sideways or or injuries, right? Yeah, I would think. I mean, maybe if they're you know lighting up the scoreboard like a pinball machine and the guys like LeCount or Tony Fields or somebody like that play on uh, you know kickoff coverage or something like that, or mm-hmm. you know then maybe their their snaps go up. I don't know if it reaches four hundred. I mean, that's a lot of touchdowns. <laughs> But, um, you know, maybe if they're on the kickoff team and the punt team or the extra point team, you know, that that kind of stuff, maybe one of these other guys hits that mark. But really, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with your very first sentence. Unless there's injuries or something, I maybe Togi. um, Maybe. And and I I mean, I guess the next injury guy could be Anthony Schwartz. You know, if one of the uh, starting wide, if you know, Jarvis or Odell or somebody like that, that we think is going to eat up a large portion of the snaps at wide receiver, uh, goes down for six games or something like that. And Schwartz, uh, goes into the starting lineup for those games, maybe something like that. But as far as would I put my money down on anybody else hitting 400 or more in Vegas? I probably would not. I don't, I don't think so either. And that's not, that it's a bad answer. And, and, no, that's a good thing. I think, it's a, I think it's a really good thing when you're not counting on these guys. They, they're they're thrust into situations that they, that we probably aren't expecting. That's because things have gone poorly, and you don't you don't want that, obviously. But if a guy blows away people at camp, like if oh sure if Anthony, if Anthony Schwartz proves that we got to get this guy on the field, all 25, 30, 40 snaps a game, then yeah, that could happen. But as far as sitting here, what is today's date, May seventeenth, and saying we need. James Hudson to play all year. You don't, that's not a thing. That's not, it's not a way to look at it. Richard LeCount, not a way to look at it. Tony Fields, same way. So another question kind of on the Anthony Schwartz thing is, is something that Mary Kay Cabot wrote her uh, recent column, Hey Mary Kay, and she touched on the uh, Anthony Schwartz dropping a couple passes. To me, not, a, not an unexpected thing. He was not a calling card soft hands guy. Like that's not what he was pegged to be. And uh, I, I, I think that, <laughs> there's a part of the route tree where the ball is arriving at him quicker than he a anticipated to be. He was used to with Bo Nix and C 
the football at the NFL level is a little different than the ones you were, were getting a hold of at the college level. There's an adjustment period. So like I said, he's not known for being a great hands receiver. That doesn't matter if you can run as fast as he does. So it's not, okay, it does matter. It's not a death sentence to his career. I'm not surprised to hear he's dropped a couple passes. I'm not going to even be one iota concerned about it. But but yeah, I, I think you're going to hear about some things where he's adjusting to the NFL game, adjusting to a route tree. They're trying to get him more comfortable doing a bunch of different things. And with that will probably be some growing pains, right? Yeah, well, I didn't. Uh, I haven't been able to see the article. I've I've been very busy today, so I don't know how bad she made them out to be. So I can't comment just a, just on that specific drops. thing. But uh, we knew all along through the draft process that there was something to note. I mean, it's on film. He, you know, he put he put some balls on the ground. Now, how much of that was, you know, due to the quarterback play, and you know what what counts as a drop, and what counts as you know, he just got his hands on it, but that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's something to note. Um, I think he has definitely has a chance. He's so young and so raw that he has a chance to very improve every aspect of his game. And whichever side of the Jarvis Landry contract dispute uh, debate you're on, um, to learn hands and technique and footwork and all that, there's not a, many better guys in the NFL that you can learn from than him and, and Odell Beckham. So if they or the coaches notice that it's, uh, something technical, like if it's concentration, that's all on him. He just has to do it. He just has to focus and do it. But if they notice that there's something technical about the, you know, the way he's holding his hands or the angle of his elbows or, you know, this or that, or whatever the real fine specifics, they will get it worked out with him and he will work on it. I guarantee you the, the mentality of this team that we saw last year and going into this year, they hold themselves and each other accountable at a level we have not seen in a Cleveland Browns locker room in several decades. So if he doesn't, he won't be around long, third-round pick or no third-round pick. I'm with you, totally with you. Uh, another question that came in here, uh, da, 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 let me see. I'm trying to kind of guide both sides. Uh, D-tackle room was crowded, which we talked a little bit about. I know somebody up there asked about Tommy Togia. We, we already kind of touched on it. Billings is expendable now? No, I, in no way, shape, or form. I think they, they – I think – I think we probably have gotten to the point where we've overrated Andrew Billings a little bit. I don't want to sell you that he's like – some elite defensive tackle, but I think he's got a role and I think he can be fine at it. I mean, can, you know, got to think he signed a one-year deal and it was in a low range. So it tells you about his value in the NFL. Uh, but, but I think he can be good. I think he can be fine. I think he's a really strong point of attack player. And I think he has every chance to earn a job on this defensive line and, and have a, have a, you know, an important role. And he could pop, he could break out too. Like they had the idea that they got a steal when they signed him. Right. Steve, like, I think, they like him. I don't like, I, again, I don't want to sit here and sell you that he's uh, Andrew Donald light or something stupid like that. I'm just saying like, he can have a nice little role here. And perhaps if a role is not as, as many snaps as Larry Ogunjobi, be a better version of Larry uh, in a role that is less uh, significant on the field, less snaps. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, Billings was a guy you asked me on this show or uh, I might've been the other pod. I can't remember what you were what you were hosting a year ago, uh, which one of the pods on the OBR you were hosting, but you asked me who I thought of all of the one-year deals they signed last year had the best chance to earn a long-term contract. And this is before COVID, obviously. And Andrew Billings was my pick because I like the way he plays. He's young. He's strong. He fits a role that they really need. Um, and even more so this year, I think uh, he has a chance to come back because he, he's hungry now. He wants to show everybody that he's still that guy that they took a chance on and expendable. 
I mean, I don't know. I guess if, if the rookies come in and just blow everybody away, but do you really want to be counting on multiple rookies in a role like that yeah. uh, in what you think is your Super Bowl window? They were, I mean, Togiai and Wilson and, and Jordan Phillips would all have to just, you know, like you said, just blow the room away. Um, if Sheldon was still here, uh, and Larry uh, Ogunjobi was still here, then I would say maybe if somebody comes calling with a really good trade offer or something like that, then you would have the numbers uh, because you'd have veterans in front of them. But right now, if you got rid of Andrew Billings in a trade or a release or you know, what have you, you've got Malik Jackson and basically three rookies. I mean, Jordan Elliott, 2020, I, you know, with no offseason and the virtual this and virtual that, everybody's still basically a rookie for all intents and purposes. They're going through their first actual NFL offseason. So I don't know that, especially a front office like this one, would want that much responsibility um, uh, for that many rookies. I get where that's coming from because there's a lot of numbers in the DT room, way more than there was, you know, a month ago. But, I, I, yeah, I'm with you, Jake. I don't, I don't think he's expendable yet. Yeah, I'm with you. A couple of defensive line questions. We'll answer those, then we'll come back. There's been some good offensive line questions. Greeny the Graham here asks, how many D tackles do you expect them to keep? Who do you think it'll be, and who do you think will start? And we'll kind of piggyback that with another one, which is how realistic is Marvin Wilson making this team and playing reps this year? So we'll kind of answer Marvin Wilson in this question from Greeny, which is, how many do you think they keep? I would guess five. I would guess five. Um, and then have a guy who they feel comfortable playing power edge in situations. And I think they referenced Malik Jackson being a guy who could potentially play power edge. And to piggyback off of this, there was another question down here about Malik McDowell, uh, who if he makes the team, what what does he do on this team? Um, you know, what what is he? He could be that guy too. So if I, I think it's an absolute long shot of long shots that Malik McDowell makes the team. But I do remember – having a conversation with you, Steve, when they signed Greg Robinson. And I'm like, why are they even signing this guy? It doesn't mm -hmm. even make sense. Like, it's just, it just seems like a waste. And then he, you know, Greg fell out of the NFL. We all know what happened with the, the charges. And we all know his second year in Cleveland wasn't very good. But he had a nice little stint of solid Decent. play. Yeah, he was, he had a nice little stint there. So I, I could Malik McDowell, I'm not going to sit here on May 17th and say that guy has no chance, but it to me feels like a long shot. If there is a, if there is a silver lining for him, it's at the one position he could probably make the roster, right? Like, so I think he could, I just don't know that he will, especially with all the odds stacked against him. Uh, I just think they keep five. And I do think Marvin Wilson, if he is healthy, uh, has a real shot at making this team. I think they're really high on him and they're going to give him every chance at a position again, that is that is completely wide open to competition. He'll have an opportunity to make the team, and I think he I think he will. I think he will make. That's kind of my stance right now. I'm with you. I think Marvin Wilson is, um, like you said, assuming that he's healthy. I would say it leans towards him making. My thought is it leans towards him making the roster and not against. As far as Malik McDowell. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the signing. I was not particularly a huge fan of his during his draft cycle, but that was mostly because of all the off-field stuff that we heard about, uh, and which proved, you know, it, it happened. You know, he's he's not been, uh, you know, he, he, we all know what he did. If that is all behind him now, I will say this. If you watched his film from his year during his draft cycle, there, I understand why he had fans. There are freakish flashes. I get it. I, I totally get it. 
Um, if that is all behind him and his head screwed on right and he gets to the maximum of his potential or near the maximum of his potential, I don't know if he makes the roster, uh, but he will make it extremely difficult on them because, again, go back and watch his last year at Michigan State. It wasn't every game. The motor ran hot and cold, but when the motor ran hot, it ran freaking hot. I, I get mm -hmm. why they did it, but I think what you said uh, really hit it on the head between uh, Jackson, Billings, Jordan mm -hmm. Elliott, the two rookies, and then we all expect Clowney to move inside on some snaps. We all expect Miles to move inside on some snaps. We don't know what they're going to do with Curtis Weaver. Porter Gustin can move in there if they need him to. I think any more than five would be a shock. So I think a guy like Malik McDowell's best chance, and you hate to say it, phrase it this way, but is that somebody or two get gets hurt in front of him in camp. Um, yeah. Other than that, I, I think they're moving to more of the – flexibility, the versatility, rather than, you know, five specific DTs and five specific edges. You know, they're going to, they want more and more guys who can do whatever. So, and I think they've got the yeah. roster makeup to do that at this point. They have the numbers that they don't need everybody to hit. They just need, you know, some of them to hit and they've got enough. I'm with it. I, it's, it's going to be a truly open competition. I mean, like the, the, I, there's probably no combination that could shock me. I, I, I just, it's could be Marvin, could be Tommy. There's no way to truly know who's going to show out. This that that position group is the single most interesting one to pay attention to because they can they be good enough? You let Sheldon go, you open yourself up to some criticism there by letting Sheldon walk. Can it be good enough now to get the job done? That's what we're going to see. And they're trusting some guys who uh, are a unproven, b have injury histories, and you know we're going to have to see how it shakes out. But they brought a lot of bodies in. Uh, we'll talk offensive line shift there now. LA wants to talk about what's up, man. How do you feel about, uh, or how do you feel like they address the offensive line after this year? Do you think they draft, uh, uh, they draft a guy or go to free agency or, or what? You know, how's the draft strength of the offensive line? Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, which ties into another question about if we're looking at the long term of the offensive line. If I can find it, if Teller has another monster year. Will they let him walk as a cap casualty or make room to pay him? So it's kind of looking ahead, Steve. What do you think they do after this year? It's tough to know, but you could you could probably think about I mean, I, I think they got a lot of people to sign, and I like Wyatt Teller a lot, and I like helping Baker Mayfield with interior offensive line play a lot. But if I'm ranking guys that I need re-signed as we sit here today, Baker is a guy I want re-signed after next year. Denzel's a guy I want re-signed. I'd like Nick to get another another contract and then a guard. I just, I just don't rank Wyatt Teller all too high at the top of my priority list for another deal. Can they fit Wyatt? Can they find a way? He loves Cleveland. There's no doubt about it. Can they find a way to make it work? Probably. Uh, but, but as far as like the, the, the right guard will be the most important thing here. Uh, that's the position that is of interest to me in the future. And I hope they can figure out keeping Wyatt around, but if they got to rank these guys, I, I just, I know I'd rather have what Nick Chubb can do for an offensive line in the run game than worry about trying to find another Nick Chubb. I can try to find another right guard who's serviceable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, we should preface this obviously by saying the biggest thing we got to do is see how this year plays out first because they have so many options this year uh, on mm -hmm. the uh, offensive line. They're going to be cutting guys and trying to sneak guys to the practice squad that are absolutely 100% rosterable players between Alex Taylor and James Hudson and, and Nick Harris and Drew Forbes and 
some guy named Blake and Michael Dunn. I mean, there's just, there's too many, there's too many. So they they're set for this year. As far as next year, if you want to just look at the, um, the starters, you know, take, you know, if Drew Forbes steps up, then it answers a lot of those questions. If, you know, James Hudson steps up, it answers a lot of those. But if we're just going to look at the starting five, obviously the tackles are, are going to be here. Um, I think the Wyatt Teller question will be come down to what they think, how much more J.C. Treader has left in the tank. Uh, because if, if you want to replace J.C.'s money and get a younger center and move, just slide at one spot to the right to Wyatt Teller for two or three years or something like that. That's a way that they can do that. But they've got, we've been, we said all through draft, this draft cycle, they have questions uh, uh, moving forward on the offensive line. They're set this year, obviously. Wyatt Teller's in a contract year, as we're talking about. JC, I believe this is his last year. Um, uh, Joel is two years, if I'm not mistaken. And JC's over 30. He's a warrior, but he battles injuries every single year. How much longer can he win that war? Um, you know, and same with Joel Batonio. I mean, we still think of, I do anyway, he's the young guy that played next to Joe Thomas. Well, he's not the young guy anymore. This is, what, seventh year, eighth year in the league? So, you know, he's approaching 30, and we know that number is significant for a front office like this one that values uh, analytics and data and stuff like that. So what do I think they will do? I think they'll let it play out, and then – they will try to decide uh, where they want this money because bringing JC back at a level he's going to want and probably will deserve and bringing Wyatt Teller back if he has another year even close to like he had this year at the number he's going to want and deserve, it just doesn't seem feasible to me. I, you know, unless they, you know, you're talking about moving two or three other giant contracts and, and, and it, I don't think any of that's going to happen. As far as the strength of the 2022 draft for the offensive line, I, I I don't know yet. I'm going to be real honest. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't really. It's May, man. I haven't I haven't dug in that deep yet. And plus, we again, we got to see the whole year play out. The guys we think are top ten lock. Roderick Johnson was a top ten lock this time in his draft year, and we got him in the sixth round. Shouldn't have taken him there. So you know what I mean. It's yeah. a long way off. I, I have no idea what it's going to look like a year from now. It's good points on all of those guys, especially considering. Their names you got to remember, and I know you touched on a few of them, but you got to remember Nick Harris was the guy handpicked last year that if they did let him go, they they slide Nick Harrison. Drew Forbes took a year off, but they like him, and I thought his preseason work playing guard was really good. Yeah. Uh, athletic guy that I think they like. And then, you know, James Hudson, there's a lot of development pieces there that if they do let somebody go, uh, JC, or, or they can't bring back Wyatt, it doesn't spell disaster uh, as as a situation, you know what I'm saying. So it doesn't spell disaster there, but they have options in you too. You got to feel a little bit of solace in what Callahan's done throughout his career, his his his, his uh, reputation, and all of that is you trust him until there's a reason not to trust him. And I feel really good about trusting him right now. So uh, that's that's where we sit now today. Like you said, things could change. You know, Nick Chubb could have a a, a really terrible season. I guess, and he could get injured again, I guess, or Denzel Ward could get injured. And you're like, do I want to give Denzel Ward a really big contract right. when he hasn't played 16 games in a single full season? There's a lot of questions. Baker, they don't want to talk about it, but he could have a bad year. It's in the realm of possibility. And then it's like, okay, maybe we don't pay Baker. So as we sit here, May 17th, that's my list. Could that change? God, yeah, it could change an infinite number of times. I'm not predicting those guys to do those things, but it's, it's possible, and you'd be remiss not to talk about the fact that they're as positive as you feel, as optimistic as we all feel, there is an end of this thing that could end negative, and that sucks, but it's it's possible. 
Uh, another question after this year. Yeah. I mean, we said it a million times on this podcast, on our mock drafts, our live broadcasts, all that. This year, they're set on the, on the offensive line. This year, they're set at tight end. This year, they're set at wide receiver. 2022 could be a very different story in all three of those places. We have no idea how this this year will shake out from on the field and from money. Yeah, and they and they they haven't committed. They they've done a nice job of not committing right. crazy money to those places so that they're not tied up. You know, they have ways out of contracts with those avoidable years. Austin Hooper is a prime example. If he has another average year, they might decide his Sheldon Richardson style. It's not worth it. We can we can get you can use this cap that you give back to us. The cap hit's not terrible, and we can go on and get someone else to replace you. So. That's just uh, that's the nice flexibility that they've kept they've kept in this operation. Any guesses on what the wide receiver room might look like in 2022? Another really hard future question, but a fun one because there's a lot of different things that can happen. As all three of the top names have uh, a, a way out of their contract. I mean, what, most of them have one year, but then I think Jarvis has an out, and I, I I I'm pretty sure Jarvis and Odell both have ways to cut them without killing your cap with the dead cap. I don't have those numbers in front of me right this second. And then we all know that uh, Richard Higgins ran it back for one more season. I do know Donovan Peoples-Jones will be around. I do know Anthony Schwartz will be around, and that's it. And I, I don't have any other predictions right now. I don't. I, I'm not going to go down the Jarvis Landry wormhole. I think that he could certainly produce better for what he's paid, but I also understand that he cashed in at the right time, and in the NFL, cashing in at the right time is the biggest thing. You know, you get paid at the right time, at the right circumstance, a team that's needing wide receiver talent. And, and listen, Jarvis has provided things that have been great for this franchise. There will come a time where they're going to have to replace him, but I don't know when that will be. It will be a, a heavily discussed topic. And Odell comes back. Does the knee look right? Is he the player they want to commit another uh, 17, 18, 19 million dollars to the following season. I think there's a lot to still prove there for Odell. So that's got to be proven. And then if Rashard Higgins has another year of six, seven, eight hundred yards, he's going to want it. They're going to want him here for the next two or three years. They just, they want, they're going to want that solid play from, from the wide receiver position. So I don't have any great predictions. Uh, I do think one of the two, I'll, I'll put it this way one of the two of Jarvis and Odell will still be here. It's my guess. And Rashard Higgins will be back. I know Sherwood is like playing 28 this year. He's going to be 29, but I just think he's good with Baker and and I think he'll end up being back. Yeah. I think we, we talked about this uh, in like January or February. And I said at that time that for the 2021 season, I would be shocked if both Jarvis and Odell weren't back, you know, when all the trade him and trade this and trade that was really hot. I said, I, I, I just don't see it. I think they'll both be back this fall. I would be shocked if anything else happened for next year. I'm going to reverse that. I think you're right. I think one uh, will be back. I would be very surprised. Well, let me put one tiny little qualifier and caveat on this. I will be very shocked if they are both back at their current number. Yes. There is a chance they could, because there's no dead money left on either of their deals. They could bring them both back at a reduced number, rework the contract, push the, you know, add voidable years, all that kind of stuff. Now, will the players want to do that? I wouldn't give up money, but you know, maybe they like it here. Maybe, you know, maybe we win a, a Lombardi and they want to stick around and they're having a ball and they're, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know, but I would be very, very surprised if they are both back, especially at their current number. Um, I'm sure I haven't looked yet, but I'm sure mm -hmm. there are free agent wide receivers that will fit what they look for uh, young and fast and relatively cheap. Uh, I, I, as far as I know, uh, the, the very early look at next year's wide receiver class is it's another, you know, bushel full of athletes. 
Um, so they could uh, certainly go that way. Um, what they do with David Njoku and Austin Hooper will certainly have some effect on the wide receiver room as far as the dollars that are allocated in the, in the receiving weapons uh, overall as a whole. The Nick Chubb question is going to have something to do with what they do there. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. As far as I will go is they, I, I would be very shocked if they're both back at their current number. Other than that, uh, it's hard to say. Yeah, they, they can't pay $30 million to two receivers again, especially guys that – unless those two just have a ridiculous season and right. both go for like 1,400 yards, and then it's like, okay, I guess we got to do it. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but but I don't I don't want – I don't think they'll lead the covered bear. I don't think they're going to go into the 2022 draft without Jarvis and Odell and Higgins. Like I just think they're going right. to keep a couple of those guys out of that three and try to make the rest work. Mick the dog, who's a usual on here. Mick, what's up, man? Do you think the Forbes – uh, makes the team this year. I do. I think they have two really good backup guards. I think Forbes is a good backup guard, and I think Michael Dunn. I've said it several times on this pod. I think Michael Dunn is a heck of an interior lineman. Okay, let me backtrack. I can't say I have a ton of evidence. We're taken back at how well he handled Cam Hayward consistently, anchoring, switching on stunts, handling moving people, the down the line reach blocking and zone schemes. I was like, and you can tell. Like, you can tell very quickly. I was like, Michael Dunn is a freaking player. You can just tell some guys quickly. It was such a drastic drop-off between Michael Dunn and when Blake Hans had to come in, a guy named Blake. Like, I know Blake, it gets the the, the, the the publication time, and everyone talks about it. He was not nearly as good. I don't think Blake Hans makes this team. I think they have two really good backup guards, a future center in Nick Harris, and a future tackle. And I think that's great. And I think those guys could all have a role on the offensive line, personally. And I think it's exciting. I think those four are, uh, make a really strong uh, backup interior group. And, and and you have Hudson who can play right or left tackle. I liked his right tackle work at the Senior Bowl. So I that's where I sit right now. That's who I think makes it. And um, there's other guys, Alex Taylor, and like I said, Blake Hans, not trying to tell you they can't make it, but that's where I sit like my four unless Nick Harris shows up and is too sm- just truly too small to play the position. I think he's too small to play guard, but I think he can handle center where he doesn't have a ton of people in his face all the time, and he can help handle some different things. He can anchor in that way. So um, those are my four. Uh, that's kind of my, my last little point. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but that's those are those are my guys. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Forbes will be uh, – I think it's his backup job to lose. I'll put it that way. He's going to get first crack at nailing down that, uh, uh, you know, backing up the the three interior offensive line spots. Um, Can he do it? I think I'm with you. Uh, We liked him through his draft cycle. We thought he was a sneaky good pick. uh, And I I thought last year he was, or uh, uh, two years ago, he was, he was good. Um, Yeah. I, I, I think he does. I think if he doesn't, that means that someone else has stepped up in a big, big way. And that's mm-hmm. a good thing. So, you know, I, here's what, here's how I'm looking at it. Come the end of August, we're going to be cutting good players for the first time in forever. We have too many good players to, to fill out the 53. That, that hasn't happened in forever. We're going to be trying to sell off pieces to get a conditional sixth from somebody, you know, rather than just cutting them. Uh, that's the position we're going to be in. And these are good problems to have. These are rich team problems. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, last good question here, which is uh, where do the Browns invest their money once it's not tied up in the wide receiver room? There's this guy who stands about six foot one almost. Uh, he throws with his right arm, and he will tie up a lot of money. If he's as good as we all think he can be, and he has a great 
2021 season where he, he throws 35 touchdowns, under 10 interception, and a ton of yards. That's where your money goes. You're going to tie it up in him. You're going to tie it up in Nick, giving him an initial uh, allotment of change. And then, you know, some of the others, Denzel, that, that money gets spread. The money they've spent on star wide receiver money gets spread to star other players. And the quarterback will eat a good portion of that. And if Baker is as good as we think he can be and he's doing as well as he is, I don't care. Pay him what it takes to make him happy. And, and, and because if you have a good quarterback, it all equals winning. You find ways to win. And you create over the course of a quarterback's career. If you go back and look at Aaron Rodgers when he started his career to where he's at now, you see all the different ways they win. The Chiefs are kind of recreating themselves on the offensive line. You create new ways to win, and that's how it goes. You, you, If your quarterback's good for 15 years, he's going to outlast his star receivers at the beginning. You know, Go back and look at who Aaron was playing with. Greg Jennings, Donald Driver. Now he's playing with Devontae Adams, a bunch of different – so you, you just – those pieces are interchangeable around him, and you pay the quarterback. But that's where the money goes. So um, that's 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 it, man. And I don't know. Do you want to add to that, or did I nail it? Which is Baker, rare. Then Denzel, yeah. if he is healthy and has a year, eats up the next chunk. Uh, Nick will get a chunk. Maybe Wyatt Teller will get a chunk. If Ronnie Harrison if blows them away, maybe they give him a chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know where else it would go at this point. You've already locked up Miles, which is key, um, yep. and the rest of the places uh, that they might need anything within the next two years are not uh, what they consider impact positions. So, you know, if uh, I don't know, maybe one of the D tackles or or uh, you know, some I don't know who demands a giant contract, they'll say, okay, see ya. You know, I, we're not going to pay that kind of money for this position, especially not at this time, that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't think there's really a lot of whole a whole lot of other places that it could go, to be quite honest. Yeah, we nailed it there. I think last question, I swear to God, it's the last question. What's the percentage <laughs> of snaps Felton plays at running back wide receiver? Or is he just a kicker turner or not make the team at all? Uh, my initial thought here, Steve, is that he plays. He's battling for the third running back spot. He's got to right. beat out Dearness Johnson. He's not going to play unless Kareem or Nick get hurt if he gets that third receiver job. And he will be a primary kick returner. I think he'll get every chance to return kicks. I don't know about punts. We'll see about that. Uh, I would guess not. Uh, they'll find somebody else to do punts. But he'd be a primary kick returner. And uh, would if he's playing, I would imagine most of them are – they don't play enough wide receivers to, to – to, and they have too much talent at that position to throw Felton out there to play wide receiver all the time. They could find a couple maybe – mismatches a game if they want to, if Kareem's out and Felton's in. But Kareem led the NFL in receiving touchdowns uh, last year from the running back position. Like, he's just – he's good at it. He's going to keep being good at it, and he's going to keep getting opportunities while they have him here. I don't think Kareem's here long-term, but I think he's here for a while, a couple years, this year, next year maybe. And I think that that Felton is kind of like a down-the-line replacement for Kareem, in my opinion, as a second back to Nick is what they would like him to be. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I think uh, if if he can show value in the return game, because Dearness did a really good job as a returner last year. We we've been struggling at returner for a while, and he sort of gave us uh, uh, some stability there. Um, so if if Felton shows that he can do that, I think he's more of a threat. You know, in gadget plays, uh, wacky mm-hmm. formations, uh, you can stick him in there in the slot. You can do. You know, tunnel screens, you know, the orbit motion, all that kind of stuff that we're talking about doing with Anthony Schwartz. Felton can also be a weapon in that arena. Um, so I think that gives him a little bit of an edge. 
uh, over Dearness Johnson, his pass catching ability. I think I don't know that I remember Dearness catching a lot of balls. I mean, he came in and had some good runs at the end of games, but I don't remember him being a threat. I could be wrong, but I don't remember him being a threat in the pass game. Felton is a threat in the pass game, so maybe that gives him the edge there. But yeah, unless Nick or uh, Kareem are hurt, I don't see him hammering a lot of snaps on on a regular basis. But I do think I think he has a better than average chance to make the roster. Uh, he may be inactive. Uh, a few games here and there, uh, but I think uh, he's so explosive and so fun that uh, Kevin's going to want to give every opportunity for him to at least be an option uh, on the roster. I think Sam Penix on Twitter made a good point when he said there are not 210 better draft prospects than Demetri Felton. I think he will he will have an impact and um, uh, somewhere somewhere in his rookie contract, I think they want to keep him on the roster first, find a role for him, and then down the line he can have an impact. So excited. Exciting young player. Thanks for joining us. This turned into a Q&A. This was awesome. Because Steve and I were texting before this thing. We're like, I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. I mean, there's <laughs> there's not much. We're creating things. And you guys come in and provide great questions. And uh, you, this is this is what it's all about. You guys provide great questions. And you have good conversations in the chat group. And then we can kind of piggyback on the conversations you guys are having. So this was fun. Steve, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, anytime. Uh, and, yeah, like, like he said, uh, thanks for – giving us something to talk about. Maybe we'll make this like a, a regular uh, recurring thing, just a, like a mailbag sort of thing. That, would, that could be fun. Monday, Monday mailbag. It's just uh, you guys got to show up with the questions. That's what we're counting on you to <laughs> join us. So anyway, this is fun. Check us out at the OBR, a dollar for your first month. Subscribe to this podcast channel, please. We need you to do that. Uh, it helps you get notified right away when we go live so you know. And then make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well, which is a quick subscribe button there, quick maybe a quick little uh, five-star rating. And if you want to write up a nice review, I'd appreciate you too. Have a great Monday night and a great Tuesday. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, have a great Tuesday. From Steve and I, we appreciate you. Go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.